Hi friends, join us as we dive into the themes, metaphors, and foreshadowing of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We are your hosts, Leah, Sarah, Tabby, and whether you're a new viewer or a longtime fan, welcome to Becoming Buffy. Hey guys, welcome back to Becoming Buffy. Today we're talking about season five, episode 11, Into the Woods. But before we jump into the episode, guys, just want to let you know that we're going to be taking a break for the holidays. So this will be our last full episode. Next week, we will have our spoiler recap for all our Buy Me a Coffee members as usual. But we will be back with our recap of Triangle on January 11th. So that means there will be no episodes for the 28th and the 4th. Uh, but never fear, we'll be back and the rest of season five is going to be pretty amazing. Okay, so... <clears throat> Riley's Go for it, <laughs> Celebrate good times. Come, Come on. on. He's, he's not gone yet, Leah. We have to talk about this entire episode first. <laughs> yeah, the gaslighting is still. You're celebrating a little premature. <laughs> I, oh my gosh. I have been waiting for this moment since Riley first entered. I've been I know you have. He's gone. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet, yeah, dude. But now, Not but yet. now we get to rag on him. So I'm excited. It's like you haven't been ragging on him for like the past yeah, season literally. and a half. Yeah, but now I now I have justified reason to rag on him, except for just my personal opinion. Oh, I think we've had justified reason for like several episodes at least now. True. I just feel like Riley has been so toxic this season. And I know see, we've talked you, about it yeah. before. You think, but then there's always those people that don't see an issue with him at all it's this because, season. No, it's because of this episode. It's the way – I'll talk about it. It's, yeah. It's the way yeah. that they like – it. they have misconstrued ideas in this episode. We will dissect this episode, guys. We are going to take – like line by line and talk about why what they're saying is wrong or what they're saying is justified or whatever. Like we are going to be thorough this episode because I am um I've not been so enraged by an episode since uh Dead Men's Party. There's this episode, there's Dead Men's Party and there's like two other episodes that make me absolutely incensed. Actually maybe three other episodes. But We'll get to it when we get to it. There's at least three that I know you guys all know about. There's the one in episode seven. There's – or one in season seven. There's this one. There's the one in season three. Um, yeah, this episode makes me angry. Makes you guys angry, listeners, I know. And yeah, we'll talk about it. But <laughs> this episode was written by – can you guys guess who it's written by? Joss Wheaton. Nope. Marty Noxon. Marty Noxon. Leah, oh I thought you God, would have guessed bro. that. <laughs> well, because at the end of the credits, it says written by Joss Whedon. Oh, it created by Joss Whedon. Oh, Buffy is sorry. created by Joss Whedon. Yes. Okay. This episode is written by Marty Noxon. This episode is directed by Marty Noxon. <laughs> My God. Of course it is. She's a plague on this show. <laughs> This is her first – this is her directorial debut on the show. Um, it aired December 19th, 2000. So this was the last episode to air for – Before Christmas? That's weird. Before, oh, before that Christmas. Sucks. Could you imagine? No. Everyone had to wait several weeks to find out what happens next. Could you imagine being left with this episode? I would be incensed. Oof. No. Um, so – 
of this episode, Marty Noxon says, it was the first episode that I ever directed. She says, it was thrilling. It was terrifying. I thought I was going to bolt the whole time. It was incredibly exciting. It was very difficult, and I discovered a lot of things that I need to learn to do better. Ultimately, I was pretty happy with the results. I thought that the most important thing as a director is to tell the story, not to get caught up in being all fancy just for fanciness's sake. So I tried to do that. Um at the end of the episode, there's an in memory of DC Gustafson. Uh, he is Gustav Gustafson, who was the lead man for the first two seasons of the show. He was apparently a close friend of Sarah Michelle Geller, and he ended up he died during filming of the series at age 41, oh. fighting cancer and AIDS. So he was someone who helped with props and set dressing. So this episode That's was kind so of dedicated sad. to him. Yeah. The title, Into the Woods, we've talked about this before, so I'm not going to go into too much, but it's derived from the Stephen Sondheim musical of the same name, Into the Woods. You all know it. We've seen it. The movie, the musical. Um, the musical explores the tragedy that befalls fairy tale characters after their happily ever after, much like how Joyce's happily ever after is followed by a tragedy in Buffy's relationship. Um, and also, I guess you could kind of say like Buffy and Riley after their supposed happily ever after there's tragedy, which... Doesn't quite work because I don't think Buffy and Riley ever really had a happily ever after. But anyways, I digress. Um, and then in fairy tales, we talked about this before. The woods are a place of change and hardship. It means doing hard things and taking risks in order to accomplish something. And honestly, from here on out, Buffy's life gets so much harder. It gets harder and harder. A little part of herself dies after this episode. Um, and things just kind of escalate and snowball from here. So um, Buffy and Riley's relationship, interestingly, uh, it obviously ends in this episode, hallelujah, but Doomed is when Buffy and Riley's relationship officially started, and it was also the 11th episode of season four. So Buffy and Riley's relationship lasted exactly a season. Can you guys believe that? It feels like so much longer. That's so cr- – I was about to say, I definitely – I always equate it to being like two seasons. Mm-hmm. Yep. But crazy that their relationship started in an episode entitled Doomed, and then we have Into the Woods. So, um, When asked why they chose to have Riley leave Sunnydale, Joss Whedon says he tried to give Buffy a healthy relationship, but people didn't want it. They did some great work together, but at the same time, they when they were happy, it made people crazy. Marty Noxon adds, Sunnydale romance just rarely goes well. Buffy with a boyfriend is not as interesting as Buffy in some kind of romantic strife. Riley, by his nature, was such a good and constant character that we were at risk of things getting a little dull. Okay, guys, tell me what you think about that quote. Mm. I just, oh my gosh. Why do we love torturing Buffy is my question. I don't even want to get into it yet, but it's like these writers don't even go back and watch the show. Like, I know (laughs) Joss claims he did, but he was watching it through a weird lens because Riley is not a good guy. And I would die on this hill, bro. Like, he started off being like a normal guy i wouldn't even say good like he was just normal he was average like he didn't sleep with her just to sleep with her he didn't try and kill her like he was an average guy he was an average boyfriend but everyone gave him props and roses because he wasn't a vampire so they automatically assumed he was a good guy and it's just annoying because it's like he was so possessive of her. Him and Dean from Gilmore Girls give me the same freaking vibe where people are like, well, he was so nice. Mm-hmm. He was so, he was the good boyfriend. He was, no. Dean's was worse though. Dean was boyfriend. actually kind of scary sometimes. I don't think Riley was controlling um, until season five. And I actually do think Riley is a good guy. I just think him and Buffy are bad for each other. And I think Riley has some things in his life he needs to figure out. But, He's codependent is what he is. But claiming someone as being the quote unquote good guy, it just doesn't work. 
it doesn't work because then you put them in this box of, oh, they, they can't ever step out of line because then they won't be the good guy anymore. So then automatically they always have to be right, which makes Buffy always wrong. But it doesn't mm. work because Buffy was always right. And so then it made Riley look bad, but we're supposed to think that he's the good guy. So it just, it never worked. Their message never worked. It never hit. I think, I think... You, there's a little bit more nuance than that. I think that you do have a point in this episode when you're talking about how they're trying to paint Riley as in the right and Buffy in the wrong. But I think you can have Riley in the right and Buffy like not necessarily in the wrong either. Like they're trying to go for some sort of nuance and for the it to be a little bit more mixed and more gray and more um, – I guess nuance is just the best word to use in this situation. But they're trying to show that there it's a complicated thing for both people. The problem is – I don't want to get into it now. The problem is the show backed themselves into a corner by having Buffy go through so much in her personal life to the point where it invalidated any sort of argument that Riley has. Because it's like Buffy's clearly not being selfish. Maybe Buffy has has and I, I'm going to say she does Buffy does have a tendency to isolate herself we've seen this before but by her pulling away from Riley which is his big criticism by her pulling away from him the past couple episodes because her mom is in the hospital because her sister's not actually her sister and there's you know glories after her Buffy is completely justified in what she's doing and the problem is the show trying to give Riley any sort of standing in that argument it just completely falls flat so I think you can say Riley has been a good and constant character at times, but the this season has done him dirty and possibly revealed things that were always there, but the way it was written is not good and constant. <laughs> Maybe that's what they were intending to do with it, but it didn't come across that way, honestly. Um, the thing that makes me really frustrated is Joss trying to say that the reason why Riley didn't work was because people didn't want it. That's not true. Mm-hmm. Him saying people didn't want it. They did great work together. But, you know, when they were happy, nobody was happy with that. People want to see strife. I would be totally fine with seeing Buffy in a happy relationship with a normal guy that she wanted. But Riley didn't work because the writers didn't write him well, not because us as the audience were bored with him, you know? And it's kind of frustrating to see Joss not take responsibility and ownership for that, which, you know, are we surprised? No, we're not. We were bored with him because they were doing nothing with him. And what they were trying to do was inconsistent with what they had been telling us about him. Not to mention it's like, no, Buffy is put through so much. Every time she's happy, it's like not boring. It's exciting. It's like, oh my God, finally, she's, she's happy. That's like the not normal thing. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) And so it's like, if she was happy with Riley, like genuinely happy, and they wrote a relationship that was interesting, it would have been fine. And honestly- in season four, it was like it was nice seeing Buffy at ease with someone. Yeah, like totally. Um, and, but then it was like everything with the initiative was when I started to get like annoyed because I was like, oh my gosh, bro, I don't want, I don't want the military. Like that's what made it boring was the military. Like Adam was just a poorly so written villain. They yeah. were just they were being they, instead of normally there's like fifteen layers to a metaphor or what they're going with with the villain or the big bads or whoever. Um, there was n- literally one layer to the initiative and that was it. Um, so, and also, okay. So them saying that like Riley didn't work um, because people were bored with him. 
let me tell you, I was sick of him and bored of him this entire season. Like the past several episodes have been so Riley and Buffy centered with them having strife in their relationship, but it also had so many other things going on. The Buffy and Riley strife was the most boring thing about this season so far. So I don't know that that argument necessarily works. And I think most people can say like, we were so excited when No Place Like Home popped up because finally an episode that centered about someone else other than Riley and Buffy. So anyway, I don't mean to like tear apart Joss and Marty's one comment, but just irritating. Okay. Um, So there are a lot of things wrong with this episode and we will discuss them. But one of the biggest things that bothers me is that this episode is not consistent with the message that it tried to portray in season four. And it's an awful way, frankly, to end Riley's arc. Regardless of whether you like Riley or not, this is an awful way to end his arc. Season four was all about Riley becoming his own person, seeking autonomy apart from the initiative. It was like rejecting social conformity and institutional conformity, like refusing to be a part of the machine that spits you out and makes you look exactly like everybody else. And in season five, he's been floundering because his identity was like completely swallowed up in Maggie. And then when Maggie died, it just switched over to Buffy. So now he's just going back to the initiative. Even though Graham's like, oh, we're not the initiative, like we're not government, which whatever that means, because army is government. That's the stupidest line I've ever heard of. That's what I heard too. I was like, <laughs> in what way is the army not the government? Like, yeah, no. what? A complete baloney. Um, but the they're basically the initiative. Like Riley's going back to something that's familiar, something he knows he's gonna get, he's gonna be told what to do, he's gonna be given orders again. And I think that's just a massive disservice to Riley's arc in season four. The fact that Instead of him breaking away, like how cool would it have been if he turned Graham down and told Buffy, hey, this isn't working for me. This is not good for me. I need to go my own way. And he gets accepted in grad school, goes, gets his master's degree, goes and teaches somewhere, becomes a psychologist, whatever. It showed that he would be taking or his life into his own hands. If he still wanted to do the whole military ops thing, have him lead his own mission and him be the leader and him be like, you know what? I'm done with the way everyone else handles this, I have enough combat training to do it on my own. Yeah, like, or he becomes like a private eye, or he be- he does something with his military experience and forms his own team. I think that's what you're trying to say, instead of like letting someone recruit him. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like instead of be- going yeah. back to being a yes man, like he takes charge. Yep, yep. So by Riley just going back to what he knows and Graham and all that stuff, it invalidates and it undoes everything that was done in the previous season and it turns Riley back into being a yes man and it literally is a complete abolishment of every sort of character arc it's not even an arc and so he goes from being a useless character to being an even more useless character and it's so frustrating and so that's that's one of the biggest things that bothers me the second thing that bothers me and it probably bothers me more in this episode is the amount of emotional labor that is put on buffy that is not even her responsibility and it's all put on her by men and i'm not going to get into it too much yet because we're going to talk about it but i believe it was prophecy girls that started the hashtag believe buffy and that's going to be my mantra starting from mm-hmm. this episode on um this episode is exhausting because people don't believe buffy but it also in 
I, like you guys know, it also hits hard as someone who constantly has had my emotions invalidated um, and is constantly not believed over men. It was honestly mm. extremely triggering watching this episode. Um, so I'm going to be raging. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's so hard because I feel her. like I feel like with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, it's like one episode is like really breaking the the barrier for like, you know, feminist situation especially in the early 2000s and and late 90s and i'm like wow amazing never been done before spectacular lovely groundbreaking and then the next episode i'm like oh Oh." i just can't like i just sit here and i'm like y'all just took us back 60 years and you enjoyed doing it you had fun so, yeah. like, sometimes the show is just, like, it, it gets a little bit of whiplash. And it's, sometimes it's not really obvious. It's, like, if you look at the tone, if you look at what it's trying to say outside of the humor, outside of, like, the emotional impact it's supposed to have in the moment. Like, any, they just love having Buffy not be able to have a healthy sex life up until Riley, thank goodness. But, like, um, punishing her for any sort of happiness like it, it's just it really makes me sad. I'm just like, can we just like let her? And they, this is canonical too. Like the fact that they've like made jokes about that. Like I don't know. It's just very frustrating. So especially this episode, it's like if you look at what it is that they're trying to say about Buffy, or what it is that they're like trying to have us understand as the viewer in this episode. It's very. I feel very manipulated. <laughs> And this episode, I'm like, this is not how I see Buffy. And this is not how Buffy has represented herself. It's also not how the show has written Buffy. Yeah. Which makes it even more frustrating. I just don't buy into it. And therefore, I'm frustrated that you're like trying to get me to that resolution. Not resolution. Yeah. The conclusion. Conclusion. Yes. Um, Yeah. So we have the gang waiting outside in the hospital waiting room. That was really unnecessary to say because they were waiting. So <laughs> my apologies. We're starting off really great, guys. Um, this, I'm exhausted asleep. already, guys. And I'm, we haven't even covered I this just, episode. I don't want to do this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm already angry. I'm already over it. I already want him gone. And he's going to be in so many scenes up until he leaves. Yeah. <sighs> Anyway, Giles I feel is like great. I'm the only one who's excited. <laughs> I'm so thrilled to talk about this episode. Well, you've held yourself back the past few episodes. Like, oh, I, feel I like saved I- it. I saved up my energy and my <laughs> yeah. I'm burnt <laughs> out episode. on my hatred towards no, this arc. I'll carry the torch, guys. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. All right, lead everyone it. Go ahead. Talk about the episode. Let's a, go. Uh, well, oh, I don't have the notes <laughs> to lead it, but uh, I don't know scene by scene, but. I'll, when the when the talking comes, I'll 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 bring you. You can the lead house. us lead us into it. Go ahead. Yes. All right. And then they see the doctor, and it's that really long hall walk of like that, which seems like years. You're sitting there being like, "Oh my word, just come over here so you can tell us if she's the okay." The tension, the tension in this episode is just Chef's kiss. Like, oh, not this episode, just this scene. This whole beginning scene is really like, great. <laughs> not this episode. No, different kind of tension. Um. I was fully expecting Joyce to die the first time I watched this. I was like, he's going to tell her Joyce died. Like, it felt like we said goodbye to her in the last episode. Gosh, imagine, like, I'm just so impressed with doctors and people just, like, 
you know, who have to relay this really difficult information. But yeah, imagine having to like walk down that hallway knowing that every single one of the family members is like really just like struggling and they're yeah. like analyzing your facial expression and the way you move mm-hmm. down the hallway to just kind of like see if they have any sort of hope about their family member. Like that just yeah. that makes me really sad. Yeah. Um. So, but the, in this case, it's good news. They got all of the tumor. They think she'll be okay. She just needs lots of breasts. Um, and they all hug and celebrate. And Except then Buffy and Giles. <laughs> <laughs> they yeah. like go to hug each other. And then they're like, oh, uh, we're men. We shake hands. We don't hug. Um, but Giles is little like, he does like a little like fist pump. Yes. In the background. It was very cute. It's so sweet. Yeah. Um, so in Anya and Xander's apartment, which looks like it's like fully lived in now, like I'm so happy for them. It's actually just Xander's apartment. It's not Anya's. Anya sleeps in her. In? She, she has her own place. They show that in this episode. Well, I did not notice that. <laughs> it's just funny to me because Xander, when he was looking at apartments, Anya was like, this is beautiful. I want it. Get it for me. And I'm like, you don't even live here, Anya. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's just thinking for, for the future, you know? So both Anya and Xander are babysitting Dawn, to which Dawn overshares and is like, oh, you know, when Riley and Buffy want to be alone, it's because they want to have loud, obnoxious sex. I'm like, this is the voice of a 14-year-old. There she is. Well, here's my here's my thing. The whole time they've been talking about how, and by they, I mean Riley and the writers, <laughs> when they've conversed. Um, <laughs> you include Riley about, with that. Yeah. <laughs> They've been talking about how, like, Buffy doesn't rely on Riley, how she's pushing him away, how she's blah, 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 blah. And then they're talking about how we, the audience, wouldn't want to see Buffy happy. What is the first thing Buffy does after she finds good news about her mom? She, yeah, she can, goes- like, celebrates with Riley. Yeah. And it's not yeah. just, like, having sex. It's, like, this intimate moment. Like, she she tells she talks about how she has a weight lifted off her shoulders. And mm-hmm. she's, like, she this is her putting stuff on Riley. Like, she's talking about how much of a burden it was. She's talking about how she cried. Also, literally F him for getting upset that she didn't cry in front of him. Speaking yeah. from someone who finds it very hard to cry in front of people, sometimes also it's a lot easier to cry by yourself. Um, like that's so dumb. Like, I understand him wanting to feel like I want you to cry in front of me, but to get upset that someone isn't is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Like, and I know it was a subtle moment. But it's just like – It's not subtle because that's clearly like one of the catalysts for him doing what he does later on. It just pisses me off because it's like Riley has this notion that she's holding back from him. But we clearly see that the minute her mom is safe and she feels that burden lifted He's a priority. He is a priority. She hugs him. Literally, he's the second person she hugs. She goes right to him. She doesn't even spend the night with Dawn, her sister. Right. She goes and spends it with Riley because she wants to celebrate with him. Mm-hmm. Like, it just doesn't, it's, oh, it makes me so mad. 
Yeah. Well, Passion the Nerd actually has an incredible analysis on this episode. So if you need a cathartic release, uh, feel free to watch that because it's great. And I will be quoting him a lot because he just makes so many good points. But he says, because Buffy doesn't reflect back to Riley the same consuming fixation he has for her, he regularly misses something important. She is still telling him these things. She's still sharing, being vulnerable with him the way she knows how today right now. Buffy gets to choose how she faces her trauma. Being with someone doesn't mean they owe you their literal tears, but she's still sharing her life with him. By her even telling him, say, hey, like I've been crying a lot, that is still sharing. That's still opening up with him. Um, And Riley, it all comes down to Riley believes Buffy doesn't love him. And he never bothered to talk with Buffy. He never bothered to sit there and share and say, hey, like, do you love me or not? And if you don't, why not? Like, what can we do? And like all this other stuff, he just assumes. And then he filters everything that Buffy says or does through that. And so therefore, you know how like when you believe that something is truth, you start to just see it everywhere. He believes she doesn't love him. Yeah, he believes that she doesn't love him. So therefore, everything she does, oh, it's because you don't love me. How self-absorbed are you? Instead of going, wow, let's take a look at all the bajillion factors that are going on in her life and think maybe, just maybe she's got some other things going on in her life that require more immediate attention than a relationship with Riley at that moment. And I don't know. I just, it makes me so mad. There's so much to complain about this episode. I'm picking my moments. (laughs) So Spike is watching her from outside the window. Um, do people like forget this when they crop on Angel? You know what I mean? Like, well, he's not. Angel never he's did not that. Watching her, but because he, you can see, I, I, he's honestly still in her underwear looking. though, and like, like, no, no, no. I'm not saying it's not creepy. It's still creepy. I'm just saying because I, I watched the scene. And I was like, I wonder if he can actually see in the window. And I, I was like, look, that sounds so creepy. But I was like trying to see if <laughs> yeah. he can see creepy. in the window. But he can't really see anything, but it's still the it's still the thought of like he's aware they're having sex and mm-hmm. he's he's like Oh yeah. Ah, I can't think of the word, but he's he's standing out there just kind of like letting it fuel him. Like me- letting it like anger him and like yeah. wanting to be there. It's just gross. Well it's been episodes on end. Of that of him thing, stalking thing. her. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And standing outside of her house. So before we get that, I, I know you guys don't want to talk about the sex scene. I'm sorry. This is the last one. Thank goodness. But um, no, I was actually – the sex scene was interesting because it focused on Buffy. It focused mm-hmm. on Buffy's um, satisfaction. It focused on her face, which is awkward. But it was <laughs> – I think it was specific, again, to show that she is being satisfied. She's present. She's present. She was mm-hmm. very happy and aware, but I think it specifically didn't show the fact that Riley was satisfied. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yes. It makes a very interesting contrast to the very first scene of this season when Buffy's laying next to Riley and is not satisfied and gets up and goes to hunt. And then this time we see Buffy satisfied and Riley's getting up and he Which, leaves. Which again makes – uh, this episode, like the way that it's shot and the conclusion of it, it doesn't make any sense because we see this side from Buffy, yet mm-hmm. later on we're like gaslit into thinking that Buffy's like not in it 
I don't know. Yeah. I just like I'm just confused and I'm just like irritated. No, it, it's very confusing. The the writers seem like they're looking for any subtle little thing to make it look like Buffy is withholding herself from Riley. So for instance, uh, first of all, the script talks about how Riley's supposed to be wearing a few bandages on his body from where he got bit and stuff. Um, yeah, I was going to say that. I was like, how does she not I notice all too. the – I was like, how – Yeah. Well, there he was supposed to have some on his legs, on his arm, like mm. ev- kind of everywhere. I – I watched that scene twice, you guys, so that I can go back and see if I could find bandages. I know. I watched that very uncomfy sex scene twice for y'all. You're welcome. There are, in fact, it was not fun. Um, It was still better than uh, the last sex scene that we had from them. Not Into the The Woods, but the first one. Oh, my gosh. No, still traumatized by that one. Um, There are no bandages, but I thought that was interesting that they didn't have any. the, the part that I wanted to talk about, though, was the script. So after we see, like, Spike and all that and Buffy's now asleep and Riley's just watching her, it says, Buffy and Riley lie together in bed post-loving. Buffy's sleeping contentedly, but Riley's awake holding her. We hear their theme, their music, and now we see the bandages. And then it, the script says, instinctively – in her sleep, Buffy rolls away from him, and it has away an all capitalization. A beat as Riley takes this in. And I was like, so While you're going she's to sleeping? Yes. Yes. Huh? No way. No way they wrote that. I yeah. kick people in my sleep. <laughs> Leah's obnoxious right? to sleep next to in a bed. Yeah, Leah if, sleeps if in an we're ex. Taking, yeah, if we're taking into account sleeping leah hates all of us and wants to kill us everyone (laughs) i kick everyone i steal blankets i like i'm a sleepwalker sleep talker i'm literally a menace in bed like i'm Mm -hmm. not that sounds so bad but like i am not not a nice person to sleep with at all i i'm terrible actually um Oh, all she did was roll over. That's it. She's asleep. And he's just She's waiting for that as for fuel. He's like, oh my god. Ah, Typical. I can't believe she. I cannot believe she rolled away. I can't believe she it. She doesn't love me. She doesn't love yeah, me. That's it. Like, Relationship okay. over. Time to okay. go get my yayas off by some vampire babes. Oh my god. There's no way they wrote that and was like, mm, that scene eats. That's a good. Yup. Yeah. Yup. Yeah. Like no way, Marty Noxon was like, yeah. yeah it is. That's a good it is one. things like that that the episode keeps trying to say. Ha! Huh? Yes. See, look, Buffy doesn't really love Riley and all this stuff. And I'm like, you are invalidating your own argument. This episode could have been really interesting if Riley had taken responsibility, but then you also had a a leg for him to stand on and actually gave like actual evidence of Buffy not relying on Riley and stuff. And ugh, again, okay, we'll get to it. But anyway, so then it says Spike's starting to feel like a real ass for hanging around all Mooney. Like he throws a cigarette oh. down in disgust, preparing to take off as you should, Spike. You are an ass for just sitting there and hanging out. Like, it's only when you've been there for hours and then that you start to realize how stupid you feel. But when you first show up, the first hour feels great, you know? You're sitting there and you're standing and you're stalking. Like it's only when you start feeling bad when you're sitting uh, cigarette buds are like burned all the way and then you're like oh I've been here for a while this is a little embarrassing I need to leave so Riley sneaks out Spike sees follows him into what we've kind of been alluding to we don't know quite yet but he walks into like this sketchy building and we this see this look on Spike's face and he's like huh 
Interesting. No, we do know. We saw Riley getting bit last episode. We know where this is. I mean, yes, but we haven't seen what the inside, like what it actually is. We've just seen him be. Uh, I feel like everyone knew. Like, I feel yeah, like watching this episode, you know. I was thinking about how fast Spike would have to run all the way back to Buffy's because you know he was like, I need to get to her quick. So he probably like sprinted back and then was like, oh, for sure. <laughs> well, no, no. Okay, so this this was not this episode was also not cut well. So this is the next day. We're now with Buffy and Joyce in the hospital. The next scene I after wondered that, that, I was yeah, so confused. It's not well done. It's the next night. Oh, that makes so much sense. I was so confused. Yeah, it's not. It, oh, it's not a very good transition. You. I thought my memory was bad. I was like, am I mixing up the episode? Yeah, that that scene where Spike goes into Buffy's bedroom. You're like, you feel like it should have happened the same night that Spike saw Riley. Yeah, but it's actually the next day. Which means he came back, probably watched again, and then watched oh. Riley leave. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. He did, I had didn't to think he? It, so did you. No, and no, so did I everyone else. Were, I don't know if they had had sex that day. Yeah, she's, she's naked, Buffy remember? Said, she's naked. Well, I mean, she might just be sleeping in the nude. She doesn't. Know. We've seen Buffy sleep a bajillion times. No, this Maybe was- it's hot. Maybe it's summer. Maybe she maybe airing it out. This first scene where you see Buffy and Riley having sex and Spike watching them and that whole thing is said, meant to establish that the same thing happened and then mm-hmm. Spike sees yeah, it the next maybe. the next night. Either way, it's icky. This episode is just a lot of whiplash because then we go straight back to the hospital and then Buffy has like a week for Joyce. Scene. And I'm like, oh, so sweet. Like, love the scene. Like, you know, she gives her a wig and is like, hey, like, you know, you could wear this. And then Joyce is like, you know what? Maybe I'll just wear the scarf. And like like the whole like getting back to the um, normal day to day stuff that mm-hmm. you have to deal with. But now you have something that, you know, is going to have to take a while to adjust to like having a do they I mean, i'm guessing they shave that whole area right yeah so yep. that's that's what she has yeah that's mm-hmm. really hard yeah it is really hard but i think there's so much hope like they're just so glad that she's alive that totally everything's better they're like we don't care we'll deal with what we have to deal with at right. this point and joyce joyce taking the time to worry about buffy saying you know you've missed a lot of school i don't want to take away more of your time um and buffy's like i may have to take a few incompletes but i'll get through the semester like it'll be fine and then we have that hilarious uh oh wait before that then we have a barbie reference buffy says i will i promise but right now i'm more into being here and styling your beautiful new plastic dream hair and i was like oh joyce is barbie like how sweet Aww really is the season of Barbie. Honestly. Um, but then she's talking and then Joyce says, I don't think Riley sees you as a chore, Buffy. And I think, again, this is supposed to be a subtle nod of like, oh, Buffy is treating Riley as convenient and he'll always be there and he's dependable. And, you know, Joyce is kind of like a little subtle like, um, okay, hey. but also isn't that normal to treat your boyfriend like he's going to be there and dependable? Yeah, you would think so, right, Leah? Like, isn't that a normal thing to be like, oh, yeah, like, I I cannot hang out with my boyfriend for one day because we can hang out the next day. Um, But also because my mom almost died and I'd like yeah, to like, like, take a moment normal? with her. Like, is They're that acting healthy? like what Riley. Buffy's doing is selfish and all this stuff when it's like her mom was in the hospital, guys. Yeah, they quite literally didn't know she would make it out. So, like, honestly, yeah, dude, I... Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's just stupid. Yeah. Uh, the whole, as long as you two are getting some quality time with the Lord made me LOL. That was hilarious. <laughs> Buffy's like, we are. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, their Bible study. 
<laughs> um, and so we have Graham in the next scene tell the leader dude from the initiative slash the army, as what they call it, um, that Riley would be a benefit to them where they're going. Um, Graham says that he needs some convincing, though, that he has pretty much a life slash a relationship here. Um, and the guy says, what, what's so special about Sunnydale? They really just like, there was no hints on where this episode was going. Like I, I kind of like, I don't know. I, I much prefer watching like an episode of something and you kind of get like small, small, small hints, or maybe like there's this big thing in a relationship that they've really worked through and like, They've made it out, and then in like one episode, it's like something happens to a point where they can't deny that thing that they've been putting off for a while. So it's like it's like you go into the episode not assuming that they're gonna break up, and then it somehow ends up there, and you're like, oh, like I want to be kind of like a little bit like I don't want to be expecting a breakup by the end of the episode where it's like so predictable, like. Everything in this episode, I was like, okay, so clearly, I mean, obviously I've seen the show, but like the way that it's edited, it's like, okay, clearly he's going to leave and go back to the initiative. Like this random scene with Graham and like the, like the leader or whatever, it's like very obvious or like, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. That, that's just like my preference. The writing's, I feel like the writing's been on the wall since, like for sure, for sure, since last episode in Listening to Fear. But we've just been waiting for it. Like this breakup should have happened episodes ago. We're like, that's what I'm saying. Like when it's too obvious and everyone's like, okay, we get it. You guys are going to break up. Like, and every scene is like purposely there so that they can make like a smooth transition. But it's like, okay, we understand that breakups happen like all the time every day like and a lot of them are abrupt like it it just it's too much like it's too long like i think the writers thought that they had built buffy and riley's relationship so much in season four that they needed to take the time to tear it Mm. back down again in season five the problem was none of us were very invested with buffy and riley's relationship in season four and also we felt like there was massive cracks in their relationship in season four. Like in Restless, Buffy in her dream when she dreams of Riley, literally dreams of him not trust of not trusting him, uh, thinking he's going to betray her, but then him also calling her a killer and then leaving. So it's like Buffy herself has like kind of known for a while. Um, it's made it really hard for us to be invested in Riley. Yep. So this is the the scene we are kind of talking about those mm-hmm. supposed to be the same day we have spike come into buffy's room um you know gets distracted by her being naked underneath the the blanket creep i know tells her that he needs to show her something and then he shows her the sketchy building and then we have this this scene is just so uncomfortable poor buffy just watches him and he's like harder like Ew. oh ick ick ick, ick. Spike rubbing it in Riley's face. We only came here because we care about you, friend. You need help. (laughs) Stop. I got to hate that line up. It was so funny. (laughs) (laughs) He he really got him good with that line. He said, we only care about you. I was like, okay, he got to eat. He got to eat that up. Pettiness. Riley uh, runs downstairs and the vamps are like, hey, like, why the heck did you bring like this layer in here? He gets in trouble um, and then leaves. And then poor Buffy gets home. She looks just shell shocked. 
I mean, yeah, this poor girl, she literally just had sex. How violating would this be? You had sex with your boyfriend. You thought it was a genuine connection. You wake up in the middle of the night to find freaking Spike in your room. You're naked. You're vulnerable. And then he takes Spike. It's like it rubs salt into the wound by the fact that Spike takes her to go see Mm -hmm. Riley, her boyfriend, being bitten by – I mean, it just – it's this is cheating. It's betrayal, but it also goes against everything that Buffy is intrinsically. She's a slayer. She's supposed to kill these things. Like, I just, this is worse than just cheating, in my opinion, at least. It makes it even worse when he's explaining it, too. Like, when he explains it to her later, it's like, it's obvious. Um, So back at Riley's place, he walks in. The initiative gang is there, says there's a code one in Belize. (laughs) A demon tribe is taking part missionaries in the rainforest. Why are they sitting in his apartment with all the lights off? <laughs> yeah, freaking weird. But also, like, what the frick could qualify as a code one and please when you're on top of the hell mouth? Like, what qualifies as a code one in Sunnydale then? Like, well, they think a demon the tribe got is it. tearing apart missionaries in the rainforest. That's what it is. They had just, to put the missionaries in there because if it was normal people, then we wouldn't care. But the fact that it's missionaries <laughs> well, makes it a way good guy. more intense. He's, he's a good person. He went to church that one time. So, like, he clearly cares about that. They have to show that he's going back to his roots, Leah. He's going to save the missionaries because he's a good boy. It's just, like, it's so off. Like, like there's missionaries being torn apart. It's like... What do you mean, bro? Like, what about the people who live in Belize? Are they also dying? Do we care about them? Or is it just <laughs> the, the missionaries? The people that like, live in Belize are the is, demon tribe. <laughs> yeah, like, I know it's nitpicky, but it's like, you only care about the missionaries dying there? Like, there's no way it's just the missionary. Because who are the missionaries missionarying to? The Where demon tribe. Missionary. Yeah, I guess. It's like, what? It screams white privilege, really. We're going to go save the white people that are in Belize. That we're trying to, that we're infiltrating the Belize people's, like, culture. Yeah. And But we're not the government, oh guys. We're just the army, yeah. which is, again, the stupidest the army. line. We're yeah. just the army. Oh, my gosh. I need that on a t-shirt. I'm not the government. I'm just the army. I'm just we're the not army. military. That's we're army. Psycho. Like, babe, huh? Like, where are you getting your funding from then, huh? Where's the money coming from? <laughs> so ridiculous. They say they don't care about the demons. They just want to kill them. I'm like, Riley, I thought we moved past this. I thought that we'd grown. Yes. Okay. No, I was thinking the same thing because I was like, we're not like the initiative. We just want to kill them. We don't care how they work. What if the initiative wanted to? That's exactly how the initiative worked. That's exactly how the initiative worked. That's exactly what Buffy was saying was wrong. Yes. You need to learn how they work so that you can fight them or figure out if they're even the ones being hostile maybe that's not those demons maybe there's a different demon like so it just it completely contradicts itself like that's what the initiative was the secretive part of the initiative was the one that was testing on people but like the overall meaning of the initiative was we're just gonna kill them yeah and i mean like they did bring it back for the scientists like maggie her whole thing was they were gonna experiment and they all knew about that but maggie and the scientists wanted to weaponize it and that's what they should have said we're not trying to weaponize monsters but by him saying we don't care what makes them tick that was a major criticism of the initiative because and i know you guys just talked about this but like the main contrast between the scoobies and the initiative was the scoobies understood why monsters do what they do and did not see them as animals so therefore they were better at their job than the initiative was so again 
this is Riley just going right back to who he was before. This is an awful, even if you don't like Riley, you have to admit that this is an awful way to end his arc. It really, really is. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to talk about this when we get to the moment between Riley and Buffy. But Riley sat on this for over 24 hours. He waited to confront Buffy with only an hour or two to go. Uh That's one of the many things that just bothers me. Mm -hmm. So at the magic shop, we have them unboxing lots of different new Inventory stuff. Yeah, thank you. That's the word. Yes. Um, Anya's having a rough time understanding social cues in this scene. <laughs> She's like not understanding sarcasm and is butthurt about like them thinking giving chickens feet free to customers is odd. I feel like most of the time, like you see a character in these scenarios and you're like, okay, that's clearly just like not like you see it only through the lens of a character and you just don't feel bad for them. And I'm like, oh, like she's like really trying and like they're like making jokes and I'm like, poor Anya. Like that would be very frustrating. I saw this scene actually very differently. Um, So I, and this is slight spoiler, but it's not really. This whole scene is to set up the next episode because the next episode is Willow and Anya going oh, at it. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is to set up like in the whole chicken's feet. So in Doppelgangland, that's the episode where Anya approaches Willow about doing the spell to find her amulet so that she can get back to her own time. And that's what causes Vamp Willow to come into their own reality and their existence. So in that episode, they had to use chicken's feet in order to do the spell. And Willow became upset when she found out what Anya's plan was. And then she takes back her chicken feet and says, and I'm taking my chicken feet or something like that. And here Anya and Willow have a fight that starts out over chicken feet. And so this is supposed to point back to that and show, hey, Anya and Willow have not really been okay since that. And who's the person that's kind of between them? Xander. And so with having Xander take Willow's side a little bit more in this scene, Anya is possibly feeling threatened going, yeah, Willow and Xander have been best friends for forever. There's definitely some underlined emotions here. Like it was very charged. Like her irritation was very quick for how kind of like small the situation was. And, And But I, when I mean like I feel bad for her is like she's going in kind of as a brand new person and like her twenties try to figure out everything. And I feel like I understand that her and Willow have a weird place to kind of like start off on because she was evil when they first kind of connected. Um, but I feel like, I don't know, like it's like this, like it's, it's hard because it is some like petty jealousy too um, on top of it, but like her and Willow have never really connected. So I feel like this is just a very triggering scenario for her. You know, yeah, Willow has never liked Anya. She said that yeah. very o- obviously. Like I think about Pangs where she talks about not wanting to invite Anya to Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, and you know how there's someone that is like passive aggressively mean to you and like to the point where like no one else really is aware of it, but you know they don't like you. And yep. then they do or say something that really is not actually passively passive aggressive or isn't but anything, you know. but it triggers you, and mm-hmm. then you explode, and then everybody sides with the other person, even though you know mm-hmm. that they're like the one that's instigate. Yeah, we all know. Because I think Anya was out of pocket in this scene. I think that she was a little cruel to Giles. She was a little cruel to Willow. But she does have a point because people have made fun of her Mm -hmm. for her literalness. And 
Willow doesn't like her. And so Anya is reacting based off of all those experiences, even if it isn't warranted in this exact scene. And so Xander, I felt like he was actually very gently calling her out. Um, and I, I thought it was fine. But again, all that is just to set up the next episode. Uh, Buffy comes storming in. The energy changes immediately. People can just kind of tell. She tells Giles that she needs to know everything about the nest downtown, um, to which Anya is like, oh, like that's been a thing for a long time. People have been paying to get bit since uh, or for centuries. Uh, Buffy looks like very shocked. It's like one of those like cultural things that you find out that it's like, or, or something that's been going on for a long time that you just can't fathom that people would do and everyone else seems to know. And you're like, what? Like, I feel like very, like, um, ignorant in this moment. Um, and just feeling very betrayed, too. She's like, how come people knew this was a thing? And, like, my boyfriend's very much into it. And, like, mm-hmm. I just, re- like, I feel bad for Buffy in this moment. Um, Buffy's like, okay, well, I need to figure out, like, um, or she like asked, she's like, well, I'm going to go <clears throat> and take down the nest if anyone wants to come with. And they're like, hey, like, there's probably some like more important things going on, but she's very resolute. And the energy is just for everyone else. They could tell something's going on, but they decide to go and help Buffy. I like the little nod to Giles's past here. Him talking about how, you know, people will – I haven't seen it since my Ripper days. I didn't know what was going yeah. on in Sunnydale. And I was like, mm-hmm, we saw you in that chick pit with the Draco babes, Giles. We know about your past. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dead. But yeah, like Giles quite possibly could have been involved in things like this when he was doing, you know, all the ma- dark magics and running yeah. around with Ethan Rain and the rest. Yeah. I honestly – yeah. That would kind of make sense for his past self. I don't I don't want to criticize Buffy too much in this scene because I 100% understand where she's coming from. Buffy needs to go beat things up when she can't control their factors in her life. But it's frustrating that she wants to do this and not go talk to Riley. Like it's now the next day instead of going and talking to Riley and Riley's doing the same thing. But at the same time, I'm also going to give her more grace because she just needs time to process and that is okay. And she also doesn't realize there's a time frame in which she needs to do so. Um, but Buffy, both Buffy and Riley do need to work on communication um, and that's always been a weakness with them. For sure. I I don't blame her for not going to talking to him immediately. I I mean, like, she, again, like you said, she doesn't have a time frame. Um, and to be honest, like, I wouldn't want to talk to him for a bit too. I would eventually have that conversation. But like, I would be like, you have to like go through so much mentally to even process. And then you have to mourn being lied to and feeling like you don't even really know them and then having like to kind of formulate your thought process so that you go into discussing what this is with your partner in a clear mindset, you know? Well, it happened, what, last night? Like, girl needs to process a little bit. Okay, the thing that that okay, this is where I start to get really frustrated with Xander. Is he says, "What's the rush, Buff? If we're going into a nest, maybe we should come up with a strategy. Wait for Riley." Okay, why would Xander mention Riley when Riley has flaked on them? A well, couple he's of times? trying to make Riley feel like he's included and Buffy wants him around and all, all that sort of stuff. No, it's it's purely plot convenience because it is has, plot convenience. When has mm. Riley ever made the plan? It's always been Buffy. 
And also, Buffy has mentioned publicly that she doesn't want Riley to be out there fighting because she's yeah. afraid he's going to get hurt. It's purely plot. There's no other reason. why. When have they ever waited for Riley? And Xander's sitting there and being like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? Like, he knows something is off about Riley. Why mm-hmm. the sudden shift to it's Buffy's fault? And we'll talk about it. So they go to um, the brothel place. I don't even know what you would even call that. Drug den. Um, yes. No one's there now because it's during daytime. And then they set the place on fire. Buffy is clearly mentally just not okay. The whole gang kind of like looks at each other and they're just like, oh, oh should we ask her? Like, <laughs> where is this coming from? Um <sighs> Yeah, why just, don't yeah. they though? Why don't you? If your friend is clearly not okay, you follow them out. Buffy. You go, hey, dude, what's you wrong? Know? Yes, like I, I don't know. Again, I know it, it. This episode feels like it's contrived just so they can have this big thing of Riley leaving at the very end. When there's so many things that feel out of character for a lot of the characters. The, yeah, you're so right. This episode is very much plot convenience. Like everything in this episode, either just or or not even really fully plot convenience at some things but it's just like some of it doesn't feel natural to some of the characters some of it doesn't feel like it's like even really canonical like so we have the next scene riley is angry he's on a mission he comes into the crypt where spike is and stakes him and we find out in a second later that it's fake wood but my goodness unfortunately unfortunately (laughs) jeez well, okay. The The other thing that makes me mad about this episode is the script wants us to sympathize with Spike. So multiple times it says that like Spike sitting in the dark in his armchair, nursing a bottle of whiskey, he's still smarting from Buffy's reaction at seeing Riley the night before. Like he's feeling guilty about it. But then also like that moment that Buffy looks at him after outside the brothel and like Spike's gloating and then he sees her look. We're supposed to be like, oh, Spike does care about Buffy. He feels so bad about like all of this stuff. And so now he's over there nursing his poor guilty little heart. And it's like, well – you still did this all for selfish reasons. Like you should feel bad about that. But also like, I don't buy that this is because you have feelings for Buffy. I just, what do you guys think about this scene with Riley and Spike talking? Like, I mean, they kind of like, this is the first time that like Riley, at least to my knowledge, kind of has like a fourth wall conversation with Spike about Spike's feelings towards Buffy and a way that like they sit there and they like talk about it. And he's like, Spike goes in, he's like, you know, you get to touch her, you get to be with her and not actually have her. And he's like, in some ways, you have a better, you know? I actually thought this scene was really interesting. First of all, I think it's Mm -hmm. such a man thing to instead of feeling apologetic for the things that you've done, getting angry for the person who's exposed to you. (laughs) Yeah. But that's such a, that's such a... uh, misplaced like Riley is really angry at himself for Mm -hmm. messing up what he had with Buffy but he's taking it out on Spike because well Spike's the bad guy so he's justified Mm -hmm. I also think this scene is just interesting I think it's interesting to watch like dynamically um, but also just in general like um, they both have validity in what they're saying I think that in a in a certain sense Riley doesn't have everything of Buffy. Um, but I don't fault Buffy for that because a part of Buffy really did die when Angel, when she had to kill Angel and then he left. 
And so she'll never be able to fully unapologetically love like that again. And we've talked about that before. Um, But I also think that Spike is kind of digging in the knife into Mm -hmm. um, Riley because he wants Riley to leave. And so he's kind of pulling out his insecurities. Um, But I also think it's so interesting for Spike of all people to look at Riley and be like, you have her. And this mm-hmm. is how you're treating her has like, it is insane to sit there and be like spike of all characters, I think was the one who needed to deliver that line because him sitting there and just being like, I want this girl so bad. However creepy he does go by that. And looking at Riley, he was the quote unquote nice guy. And spike is the quote unquote bad guy and saying like, you're fumbling it you're messing it up you have what i want and you're what are you doing like what are you doing is just i thought it was really interesting but see spike's not doing that spike never says that he just says you're not the guy simply because you don't have the monster in your man so he's basically saying nothing that you're gonna do is gonna get you buffy and he doesn't even criticize riley for what he's doing he doesn't hold riley accountable nothing of that he just says you're just not the the guy and you don't understand that. And Riley kind of comes to the same conclusion as like, well, yeah, I guess I must not be. And okay, so a couple things that I have to say about this. this. First of all, Riley, this is the only time he really takes responsibility other than like one brief moment in his conversation with Buffy. He tells Spike, you may have noticed I left reasonable about three exits back. I'm like, so you do admit that you're the problem here. Okay, keep that energy for when you're talking with Buffy later. Spike is not wrong. This episode does highlight how poorly suited Buffy and Riley are and how they've always struggled to communicate. The problem is, is that like you said, Leah, Riley is trying to hold Spike accountable for why things are not happening. He's trying to hold everybody accountable. He says, you think I don't know what's going on with you, Spike? Stay away from her or we're doing this for real next time. And that's when Spike's like, well, you're just not getting it. You're, it does, it's not me that's influencing her. It's the fact that you're just not the right guy. Um, I'm so tired of men talking about Buffy and saying they know what Buffy needs and what she's thinking, what she's feeling. Spike and Riley talk about Buffy. Riley and Xander talk about Buffy. Xander goes and talks to Buffy about Riley. And it's like, Okay, at what point do we hold Riley accountable? And at what point do we go directly to the person that needs talking to? Like, it just felt like everybody was talking to the wrong person in this episode, and it was frustrating. Um, It's just a reoccurring motif of two guys talking about Buffy's feelings and what she likes without talking to her. Neither Spike nor Riley know Buffy. Both of them have projected for seasons about her thoughts and her feelings. And so it's just like, sit down. And shut up. Like, I, I'm tired of hearing you guys talk about what you think Buffy wants. She needs some monster in her man. You keep saying that, but Buffy, do we know what Buffy actually thinks and what she wants and what she desires? No, we don't. Have, have they ever thought about the fact that maybe it's not that Buffy needs some monster in her man, or maybe it's just that Buffy wants Angel? Maybe Buffy doesn't like Riley because he's not Angel. Maybe Buffy doesn't like Spike because he's not Angel. Like, they're, everyone wants to think about all the reasons why Buffy's not with them and stuff like that. And they're not all the attributes that Angel had without just asking yourself, maybe it's just Angel. I also don't think it's even about having like a monster in them. I think it's just about having something that relates to Buffy. And I think that's why her and Angel worked was because Angel knew the 
the gravity of their situation. They had a shared mission. They had a shared mission, but they also had a shared burden. So it wasn't like, oh, Buffy needed them brooding. Buffy needed them with little... It was Buffy has this heaviness on her. Mm-hmm. And so did Angel, and they were able to connect in that. And I mean, you can take that even into real life, where it's like people who have experienced a lot of life and a lot of tragedy, it's harder for them to be with someone who has not experienced any life. Because you're like, Absolutely. I have seen things you will never comprehend. And it's not that I need someone who's damaged, but it's I need someone who's going to understand on a level mm-hmm. that you won't. And sometimes right. it works, sometimes it doesn't. But a lot of people need that, someone who's going to get it. And Riley just never got it. He never got it with Buffy. That's not to say that Buffy wasn't and couldn't have been happy with Riley. I think Buffy was happy with Riley, and I think she would have been happy with him going forward if Riley hadn't fumbled the bag. But Riley sees it as truth that Buffy doesn't love him, and which is what he tells Buffy in the next scene. He's like, I felt passion with the vampire chicks, like they're going to devour me. He thinks that's why Buffy was under Dracula's thrall, and that's why she wants Angel. And so he's just projecting this idea onto her. And it's just like, well, without even asking her what she's feeling or thinking, it's just it's stupid. It's so stupid. Well, and the, it just kind of feels like a pity party between them two. Like they're both it sitting is. there being like, she doesn't love either one of us. At the end of the day, this scene is just two guys coming together, commiserating about how Buffy doesn't love them. But at the end of the day, they are responsible for themselves. They're responsible for their future. It's both giving, are stagnant. It's giving <sighs> the the end of Barbie when she's like talking to Ken. He's having a meltdown and she's like having to work him through it. And he's like, but it's Barbie and Ken. There's no just Ken. And she oh has to gosh. sit there and talk him through it and be like, you could be Ken on your own. Right. And then he's yeah. like, Oh, I'm my own person. It's no, like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. They're literally sitting around waiting for Buffy to love them and blaming yeah. her for That's literally not Ken doing it. In Barbie. Yeah. That's literally Ken. I, don't, I wouldn't say Spike is blaming her. And I wouldn't even say that that Spike is is sitting there like like wallowing as much. Cause he, he says in the fact where he's like, I don't think she's gonna go for me, but I'm gonna try. Like Wait, that's delusional. They're on the same wavelength at this point. Like this this episode, this scene, they're on the same wavelength. And the fact that they compared the difference between having yep. Buffy physically and not having Buffy physically, they're in yes. the same spot is disgusting to me. Like I just like that makes me mad. Like, cause even like like at the very end, after they talk about all that, Riley that are then goes, Yeah, I'm the lucky guy. As like a sarcastic thing that he says, like, I'm the lucky guy, yeah, because I have Buffy. Right. And by sharing the Dreek and stuff, it's this idea that at, for the first time, both guys understand each other. Both guys are in the same position. Even though one of them is in a relationship with Buffy and one of yep. them is not, the point exactly. is that they both see that that Buffy doesn't isn't into either one of them or whatever, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. whatever their conclusion is in their brain that the Buffy will never love both of them or, you know, in in Spike's brain, he's more her type, but she's not yes. into him. And then in Riley's brain, he's like, well, I'm in a relationship with her. She says she's into me. But like in my brain, she needs somebody who's like a vampire or darker or whatever. So it's like both these guys are like projecting for Buffy. Right. And the reason I'm coming down so hard on Spike is because whose side does the episode land on? Riley or Buffy? Riley. Riley. 
And if you're having Riley and Spike commiserating in this moment and they're, we're supposed to see them as kind of like on the same page and all this stuff, it, it, this, the show is painting it as if we're supposed to kind of feel bad for Spike in this moment. And I don't. Well, this, is, this scene is what really solidified it for me when mm-hmm. it came to the whole Riley pity party. Yeah. You did nothing wrong stuff. It just like he came in angry, like Leah said, like kind of that whole let me go and talk to someone else who got me in trouble rather than actually like dealing with the issue. And then it ended with them projecting what Buffy actually wants and who Buffy actually is. I'm like, can we not do that, please? Like, can we let Buffy speak for herself? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Anyway, magic shop, Buffy boxing out her feelings in the training room. Xander tells Anya about earlier about kind of how weird it was. Um, that Buffy burnt down the place and was just acting kind of weird. Then Riley comes in and kicks him out as like, you guys need to leave. And then Anya's like, oh, it's for sex. Got it. (laughs) Which I also love how Xander later when he's talking to Riley acts like he's this wizard who's just so Uh weird and just has been seeing it for so long. Oh, you mean talking to Buffy later on? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First of all, if my friend was having a bad morning, like they were just crabby and making some stupid decisions, and then her boyfriend came in and was like, can I have a moment alone? I'd be like, they're fighting. Like, that's obvious. Mm -hmm. And so I just hated how he painted it as like, oh my gosh, like anyone could see Buffy. Like, it's like- How could you not see Buffy? Yeah, it's like, well, maybe- it's because she had a bad morning and then her boyfriend showed up and was like, can I have a moment alone? Duh. Yeah. yeah. I love how Anya's like, I don't, I think you're overreacting, Xander, who hasn't done stuff like that from time to time. And then she talks about her time as a vengeance demon. And I was like, that's like, Anya gets it. <laughs> um, and then she's like, oh, we should go home. And then he is like, no, I have some other stuff to do. And we're like, okay, question mark. And then they both leave. What do you want to bet he spies on Riley and Buffy's conversation? No, he doesn't because we know he doesn't. But what was he doing for the past – the next hour or two? Just wandering the alleys waiting for Buffy to come out? (laughs) And you guys, here we are. Here's the conversation. (sighs) Okay. Here is my biggest issue with this – well, one of my biggest issues with this conversation. (laughs) Riley is the one who messes up, yet he is acting as if he gets to dictate how Buffy reacts. When you mess up, it is your responsibility to give that person time and space to navigate their emotions. When you hurt someone, you don't get to dictate how they mourn, how they react, anything. Buffy is a saint in this scene. I would have killed him, personally. Um, But, like, she doesn't hit him, even though he is disgusting and wants her to hit him because then it would make him feel better. Because then he feels like, oh, yeah, like I let her hit me. So we're even disgusting. Um, but she doesn't hit him. She's just trying to focus on like not being too angry. Like, and it's just this scene makes me so pissed because he doesn't let her be angry. He doesn't let her be sad or have a moment alone which is so important when you're navigating your emotions. Um, and then on top of all of it, he gives her this huge choice to make. And he's like, if you don't make it, I'm gone. And she has like, she kind of snaps back and she's like, that's not fair. 
Like, you're telling me that I have to decide tonight if we're going to break up and whatever, because most of the time it takes a long time to rebuild trust and rebuild the relationship if they were going to, you know, work on it. So to make that decision tonight when she's still angry is absolutely not fair. And I know he didn't choose to have that decision so short notice, but still it's like, he could have told the general, like, can I go in a week? Can I go in a few? Can I go in a month and see if I can try and salvage this relationship with my girlfriend first? No, he wanted an easy out. He wanted a fast answer for himself. And he wasn't considering Buffy at all. He really wasn't. He wanted fast forgiveness or he wanted an easy out. And I think that he kind of locked Buffy into that. And I think that it's just not fair. I think this whole scene is not fair. I think that he's almost punishing Buffy for having a reaction or not having a reaction. Um, it's, I just hate it. I hate it. It's so poorly done. There's a way this fight could have been done and them to have actually given maybe Riley a little bit of validity and actually made it made a little bit more, a little bit less one-sided. Um, but it, like he just goes all in and doesn't take responsibility accountability. Like it's ridiculous. Um, so like he says to her, let's fight. We need to have this out Buffy right now. And he's acting like she's the reason why they haven't been talking. No, he, he is not like Buffy's been fine. Buffy hasn't had a problem with this relationship. He has, and he's acting like she's the problem and she's not. And so then she says, what, Riley, what were you thinking? How long have you been lying to me? Nothing you can say right now is going to make this better. And he says, I realize that I don't expect, I just need you to hear me out. Well, but obviously you do expect something here. She says, get your hands off me. He says, and then he starts to justify. No, what you do is you apologize. You grovel. You say, there is no excuse for what I said, for what I did. He's resolute, dude. He sees no issue in what he did because he was, in his own words, evening the score with Dracula. Oh, and he says, after you let Dracula bite you. Oh my gosh. But doesn't let her explain that that's literally not what happened. But even when she like tries to, he's like, he's like, I know, I know. But I'm like, but then you said it. You said it so clearly that was a driving force. You know what I mean? You can't just say it and be like, no, I know. I'm like, no, babe, you don't though. Or you're just using that as an excuse. Here's, here's my thing. First of all, Dracula made Buffy a victim. Like she wasn't, she wasn't willingly go like she was under her trance and like that that was so much so much different she was not going of her own free will like he was in her mind even look at xander did xander want to be dracula's slave no but even if buffy let's say buffy did of her own free will go to dracula and get her blood sucked by dracula then riley found out about it they move on It's so unfair of him to go and do something specifically because he knows it will hurt Buffy. Like, to even the score. Every single person, like, if you put this in the realm of cheating, let's say Buffy cheated on Riley, which she didn't, but if she did, and he heard about it and then he forgave her and they moved on, that's his choice. So to then go and be like, well, I need to even the score? No, no. You chose to stay with her. You chose to move on. So to go backwards and to be like, well, I need to even the score is so childish. And that's even if Buffy cheated, which she didn't. She was a victim. She was a victim of Dracula. Like 
It's just so manipulative. And to say that he needed to even the score after Dracula is disgust. When he said that, I was like, you're a scumbag. It's also you're ridiculous because they had multiple conversations where they talked about what happened with Dracula. And he seemed to understand that she was under the thrall and it wasn't like her. But again, he's projecting her emotions. He's not actually yeah. listening. He doesn't actually again, get her. No, absolutely no responsibility taking here. Yeah. And then she says, you so don't get it, which he is He doesn't on. even apologize. He doesn't. Do you guys even notice Ugh. that? He never even apologizes. Yeah, he just says, this isn't your fault. It's mine. I feel like hell for what I put you through. But then there's a but. That isn't an mm-hmm. apology. You don't justify why you did. You can explain why you did what you did, but you don't justify it. Um, he says, uh, Buffy says, you so don't get it. And there's a line that was cut out. Riley says, exactly, which is why I let the first one bite me. And he says, I wanted to get it, Buffy. I wanted to get you. So he's saying, I, you have darkness in you and I wanted to understand that. That's why I cheated because I was just trying to know you better. What a bunch of crap. That is the biggest gaslighting I've ever heard in my entire life. You know what gives me? It gives me the, I cheated on you because you weren't giving me enough speech. No, that's that's what it is. That's exactly what it is. Oh, and it angers me so much because even in this episode, it contradicts herself because Buffy was giving him everything she had. She was giving him everything she had, physically, emotionally, spiritually, like all of it. She was giving everything she had to him. Everything she could offer at that point, she gave to him. And now, it just wasn't enough for him. Here's the other side of this real quick. Because, I mean, the show's telling us that Buffy actually isn't in love with Riley, right? So she's giving him everything physically, emotionally, all this stuff. But there's always that part of you that can't quite give the um, intimacy of being in love, love. But Buffy doesn't recognize, as far as we know, doesn't know that she's not like in the depths in love with Riley. I think that she has, I think there's different types of love. I think that she really loves Riley. I think she loves who he is, but she's not like in love with him. And that's what the show is telling us. But that's no excuse. Like if you recognize that in a relationship, he recognized that what episode two episode three, he recognized that Buffy wasn't in love with him. If that is not enough for you and you don't want that in a relationship, then that's your responsibility to leave. Mm -hmm. You cannot Mm -hmm. use that to then hurt Buffy over and over and over again and then weaponize that against her in the argument, never apologize, gaslight her, give her an ultimatum, and then be like, I'm the victim in this situation. Like, are you kidding me? Like, I can't. The entire rest of this is him just saying, they needed me, they this, they that. And I'm like, okay, this is a you problem. Buffy was fine in this relationship. You were not fine with the level of whatever it was Buffy was giving you or wasn't giving you. So that's a you problem. You leave. You break it off. It is your responsibility. We're not going to put this on Buffy. I, I don't He's just, they made me feel like they had such a hunger for me. And she goes, and I don't make you feel that way. And the script says it dawns on Buffy now what he's trying to say. And it hits her like a slap in the face. Riley falls silent. That's what he's saying. Buffy's appalled. How can you compare me to that? How can you say you understand what those vampires were feeling? You're not a passion to them. You're a snack, an idiotic, willing snack. For real. And he Mm -hmm. says, I know exactly what they feel when they bite me because I feel it every time we're together. It's like the whole world falls away. And all there is 
That's is really you. embarrassing to say, Riley. That's actually so like, leave. I can't. Find someone that can give you that. And Buffy says, and you don't think I care that way about you. How dare you tell me? And yes. Uh-huh. Yes. And then he cuts her off and says, you keep me at a distance, Buffy. How invalidating when you're sitting there and you're literally telling them everything that you feel and you're being completely no, you honest. you missed the that best person part, it- Sarah. You oh, missed no, the go best, ahead. worst go part. Ahead. He's like, you didn't even tell me when your mom was in the hospital. Oh, I know. All throwing hands. I am throwing hands. Like, Spike knew because he was literally there. Like, uh, he was convenient. He was a convenience. He was there. It doesn't mean that she cared about Spike. Oh, it my just- gosh. I don't give a frick if you knew or not, Riley. Like, the fact that you were even there. It's not about you. It's not about it's you. It's not about you. It's it's not. Just All I hear there. is me, me, me just the entire time. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Riley is selfish. He wants something from Buffy, but he's not willing. When when she actually needs him, she says, hey, take care of Dawn for me, okay? And he's all like, oh, I have to do that. Like, that's not what I want to do. That's not how I want to serve you I want her to cry you. in my arms so I can feel like the, the protective the early boyfriend. Yeah. Yes. And then she asks him to go help everybody and fight vampires in the graveyard. And he's like, oh. And so then he goes and he gets sucked off by vampires. It's not Buffy's fault. It's his. Ugh. Anyway, and Buffy says, but I do see that's a part That's part of what a slayer is. And that's really what this is about. You can't handle that I'm stronger than you. And she's insecure about this because he has brought it up so many times. And I agree with Riley that that's not the heart of the thing. He wants to be strong because deep down he thinks he's not worthy of her and that she doesn't need him because he's not strong enough. He's insecure about it. But she doesn't – all she thinks is that he is insecure about not being as strong as her, and so he can't handle that. And so, like, there's a fundamental, like, it's it's a slight difference, only slight. They fundamentally just don't get each other. They don't understand what the other person is talking about. But Buffy's been okay with not fully understanding and just kind of loving him where he's at, but apparently it's not enough. And then she says, then what? What do you want from me, Riley? I've given you everything I have. I just felt this in my bones. Every part of me, body and soul. I believe her. I believe that she has. And then he's like, she you say that, him but I don't feel it. Has. That's a you problem, Riley. If you don't feel it, that's on you. Then leave. Yeah, leave already. And then I just – I wanted to stand up and cheer when she says, well, whose fault is that? Because I'm telling you this is me. This is the package. And if it's so deficient that you need to get your kicks elsewhere, then we have a real problem. And then does Riley sit there and go, wow, you're right. I need to really assess and think about this stuff. No, 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 no. Riley takes the ball that she throws to him and, and goes, throws I have an it right back <laughs> and says, well, no, no. I want you to decide. Oh, my gosh. Yep. My my dude, get your own life. <laughs> But you know what's so hard, though, is I can't even rejoice in the fact that she said what she needed to say in this argument because no. then it's immediately invalidated with yep. her conversation with Xander. Mm-hmm. So it's like yep. even the parts that I'm like, yeah, good for her. Like this is how she needed to speak in this moment. I'm so happy that she like vocalized all this stuff. It's like, okay, well, then it's washed away as soon as she talks to Xander. Yeah, and that's something that Pash the Nerd pointed out and I thought it was so brilliant. He was talking about how up until the moment where Buffy and Xander have their conversation, the show has just kind of portrayed both sides of like Buffy's side, then Riley's side. And they're like, okay, and now they're going to come there of the conversation. But the show hasn't really taken a side. Once the show brings Xander in, they make it very apparent that the show thinks that Buffy's in the wrong. 
And that's when it gets icky. Oh, so Buffy leaves. And then we have this alleyway. I mean, this is very classic Buffy. Buffy takes out a lot of her emotions on her slaying. Um, oh, sorry. I had one more thing to say. Sorry. I know we're like taking forever, oh, but um, sure. I thought this was really important. So the moment where Riley asks Buffy to hit him, which was very odd, he's like, no, hit me, Buffy, hit me. Um, it's masochistic. Like that's the whole, like it's Riley, like Leah said, he feels guilty. It makes him feel better. And also he's looking for any kind of passion, like hit me, Buffy. Obviously you want passion. So this is actually the same thing that Spike said to Buffy in Fool for Love. When he says, hit me, like they're so desperate for her that they resort to violence. Both Spike and Riley are trying to feel something in their lives because they're so empty. So they're looking to Buffy to fulfill it, but that's not her job. That's not her emotional labor to give. So Riley's saying it's Buffy's fault because he doesn't want to do the hard work of evaluating how his life is going nowhere. So this is their idea of like chasing danger and pain. It's out of self-loathing and it's a form of self-harm. And Passion the Nerd points out that the comparison to Lover's Walk, which I already did that in Out of My Mind and even in Fool for Love, where um, they talk about how Riley is subscribing to Spike's model of love, which is borderline obsession, completely losing oneself in the relationship. But Passion the Nerd talks about how Lover's Walk showed Buffy and Angel walking away from one another or taking a break because they realize that sometimes the most loving thing you can do is to let the other person go. Riley is not wanting to do this. He doesn't seem capable of doing this. And that's why he keeps throwing the ball back to Buffy. He wants Buffy to like end it and Buffy to say no or Buffy to make him some grand gesture. He doesn't He doesn't have the balls. <laughs> he doesn't have the balls, guys, to end it himself. It's just, it's ridiculous. Okay. So Buffy goes in the alleyway and just, you know, all the vamps from the sketchy brothel vampire house come out and they're angry. They're like, hey, like you can't come and just burn down our place of work and then get away with it. And there's quite a few of them. Like this scene, I was very like, I I somehow forget this scene exists. Um, yeah, I remember like how she like stakes them because like she does the cool like staking three of them. Epic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, oh shoot. Like in my brain, I was like, Oh, does someone come help her? Like I forgot about it, and I was like, "Dang!" Like she, there was like seven, eight of them there, um, and she wipes him out so quickly. Do you guys think that Buffy was in the wrong for staking that girl? No, she's wait, a vampire. <laughs> Why would she she's be in the wrong? And they were trying to kill her. The yeah. only reason they trying to make it like <gasps> is because Buffy lets her run at the first place. Okay, she staked her from behind. I think, yeah, no, I I agree. I think that the episode is awful for portraying her as cruel and unhinged for attacking the vampire girl. Like, they attacked her first. Like, what? But that girl was the one that was biting Riley. So the show is making it seem like, oh, she's going down the path of vengeance and she has a vendetta. She's hysterical, guys. She's an angry, unhinged woman. Like, okay. Once again, it, the show is putting pointing the 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 finger of you know you've done wrong in the wrong direction anyway, and this is why Xander's speech is so grating on all of us because it's setting us up. It's important that this scene is right before Xander's speech because up until now, again, the show has simply showed us the perspectives and opinions of both sides, but from here on out, it's framing Buffy in Passion of the Nerd's words as cruel and unhinged, and then enter Xander. Who's going to give her all the hard truths, guys? Oh, gosh, guys, the scene. I just, 
And the music they play is supposed to be like this a big pivotal revelation moment, moment <laughs> for Buffy and her realizing it. It's like it like I think I said this in one spoiler episode of like a while ago. I was like, this scene reminds me of the emotional manipulation with the music when um Willow and Xander were having their affair mm-hmm. in season three. Anytime that they were like stealing kisses or, or rubbing their feet together under the desk in the high school, Blech. like like the, the music was like all like sweet and and like romantic. And I'm like, no, no, no. Stop trying to manipulate me in the moment. Like this is wrong. And then in this moment, it's like th- there's this like whole like build up, like Buffy's supposed to realize something. I don't know what. I guess that she wants to be with Riley even though he freaking sucks ass especially that last conversation that would have been a huge red flag um, oh look guys it's another guy telling Buffy how she feels another guy Isn't projecting but this, so great. this whole well, conversation is just Xander projecting for and speaking up for the good guy that should yep. end up with Buffy but that's yep. not the reality Mm-hmm. It's also Xander projecting because of him and Anya's relationship. Mm-hmm. It's he's realizing as he's talking to Buffy, oh my gosh, I need to get my act together with Anya. So it's it's multiple things working. It's him projecting from he sees himself in Riley and he wants Riley to win, quote unquote, because he doesn't want someone like Angel to win. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Then there's also the added layer of, like, this is one of the few times in the show where I really just don't agree with the writing. Like, I'm like, I I don't care how the frick you're writing it. That's not how it is, which is dumb because, you know, whatever. Whatever. (laughs) I'm my own reality, guys. Um, But. We're all with you. Then there's, yeah. Then there's also the added layer of, like, he is in a similar situation with Anya where him and Anya are at this stopping point where. They either choose to get serious or crossroads. Specifically, yeah, Yeah. where uh, Xander chooses to get serious or they break up because they're whatever. So there's that. But then there's also just this layer of like, you don't know what you're talking about, Xander. Like, he just is generalizing. And it's like, I don't care who you are, dude. I don't care who you are. You never know the ins and outs of a relationship unless you are the two people involved. You don't. You don't know the intricacies. You could be the best friend, the the best friend, the sibling, whatever. You could know every single detail and still not know because you weren't there. You weren't there for the conversations. You weren't there to feel the hurt. You weren't, you're not those people. And so for Xander to be so aggressive at her in this way is just a ridiculous. And it, I was telling Sarah this before we even started the podcast. What makes me frustrated about the scene is that there are truths that Xander says um, where he talks about like, you need to let him go or you need to like try harder. I, I kind of resonate with that with Buffy where it's like, maybe it's just time for both of them to let each other go. Um, so there is certain things he says that I, I think are accurate, but more than not, it's, just not correct but it's Mm -hmm. jumbled in with truth so you just think it's all accurate and Mm -hmm. it's not and that's what Mm -hmm. pisses me off so much is that it's just 
super manipulative and it's just and the tone and the music and like the fact that we don't normally see xander like this it's all meant to frame it as buffy in the wrong and we need to view xander's speech through a few lenses um and i'll talk about them as we dissect his speech but the first one is xander is a representative of buffy's heart i know we all hate that but that doesn't always mean that it's a good thing. Sometimes it's a bad thing. And I think by Xander coming in there and basically guilt-tripping Buffy, I think that's also a reflection of what Buffy's kind of doing to herself because that is what Buffy would do. Buffy would sit there and take it all on herself and be like, man, I guess I'm the reason. I'm the problem. All this other stuff. And so I feel like this is a good reflection of like her blaming herself. Buffy has always had a deep insecurity over her relationships with men, including her father. So of course she's going to blame herself, which makes this speech so much more insidious. Um, And then on top of that, Xander says to Buffy, something's up. You're acting like a crazy person. That's an intentional choice of words. She's acting like glory, like the crazy, the whole thing. This is what the show's trying to tell us. She's letting her power get her. She's taking it out on innocent. I say innocent vampires. There's no such thing. She's taking it out on vampires. She's letting the darkness inside her consume her. Okay. That's what the show is saying, but she's not. Immediately, we realize that the show is trying to paint Buffy in the wrong here. And that means that what Xander is going to say is going to be seen as truth. But also, if Buffy was crazy, if she was losing her mind, how would she have the self-control to not fight Riley when he was saying, hit me, let's fight, let's do all this. Because she doesn't really care about him. That's what they're trying to say. She clearly has it under control. She clearly has a little This is the most contrived storyline like nothing it feels graded it feels like it's like shoved up there well xander also outright lies he tells buffy it doesn't oh he says good so you and riley aren't imploding imploding and then she looks at him surprised he says doesn't take a genius what i can't figure out is how you didn't see it coming neither did you xander riley literally told you that he didn't think buffy loved him you would not have seen this otherwise and he, and then she says, what? Who told you? And he says, nobody told me anything. That's a lie. That's an outright bold-faced lie. It's been right in front of my Xander face. That guy would do anything for you. And then she says, he got himself bit by a vampire. So once again, Xander is coming to Buffy to confront her without knowing all the facts. But in that moment, what he should That's have done- such a thing that guys do sometimes. I'm like, can you stay in your lane? <laughs> what he should have done, he should have done is like, oh my gosh- that's awful. I'm so sorry. All this stuff. Like Buffy goes, he lied to me. He ran around behind my back. All this stuff. And she tells him, you know, he's also going to take me or he's also going to leave for some military operation at midnight unless I convince him not to. Not to. No, tell me you understand because I sure as hell don't. And then Xander, this is the moment where he's supposed to say, oh, I'm so sorry. He goes, and are you going to let him go? Oh, Oh, really? You okay. mean the cheater that just lied on me and got sucked yes. up by a vampire? Yes, I'm going to let him go. Bye. Like, <laughs> what do you mean are you going to let him go? Yes. Yes, he's gone. Bye. But you know what? I, I wrote this down in my notes because I was like, this is the tactic, okay? He doesn't talk about what Riley is doing, like, that's hurting her. He goes, he's never held back with you. He's risked everything. And you're about to, l- to let him fly because – you don't like ultimatums, but it's like rather than talking about the stuff that's like causing pain to Buffy, mm-hmm. you switch it and go, he's never held back with you. It's like you're rewriting history in the moment to kind of like manipulate Buffy into being like, oh my gosh, he's such a good person. You know well, what I mean? But he's also minimizing it. He's, yeah. he's yeah. acting like, oh, well, you just don't like 
ultimatums. No, 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 no. It's not that I don't like ultimatums, which who likes ultimatums? But it's also like, it's not like I don't like ultimatums. It's A, he cheated on me. B, he put his life at risk. C, he lied on me. And after all of that, he's not even giving me time to process that. He just wants, he wants me to forgive him and just move on. That's the ultimatum is, oh, you forgive me and I stay and I move on. Or you don't forgive me today this and is I a- leave particularly cruel ultimatum because he sent all these grievances against her then says you have an hour to decide that if you want me back if you don't get over these things i will hold it against you that i never went to the military and that you never forgave me about all these things you know what i mean it's not going to be healthy if she decides Mm -hmm. okay i want him back he gave up going to do what he wanted to do to stay with Buffy and if it doesn't work out oh my gosh like like you know what I mean like it's not like she's gonna get mm-hmm. over everything in an hour these things are gonna come back up in the relationship you're gonna have to work through it and then he's gonna go through this whole spiral thing that he gave up his career and gave up the initiative again for Buffy like it's not gonna be yeah. an easy fix like it's like in my brain I'm like this isn't gonna work either way you can't give her an hour because if then if you let her go then it's like you're firming in your brain that like you know Buffy and me and like Buffy blah 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 but it's like this is a really difficult and cruel specific ultimatum like you cannot do that and I'm not against ultimatums because I think sometimes they are necessary and important but this Um, one is cruel but this is not yeah this is and also he's again wanting her to make the decision and it's it should be him leaving um this whole conversation with Xander screams projection maybe maybe Buffy doesn't want a relationship with Riley anymore Xander is not asking Buffy what she wants. He's telling her how she should Because he knows feel. her so well, Sarah. Oh, my gosh. He No. He's, he's only there to advocate for all the poor human dudes who love Buffy, but she isn't nice or fair to them and doesn't treat them well because they aren't vampires. This episode just tries – you have Spike, you have Riley, you have Xander, all three guys who have been or are in love with Buffy who feel like Buffy has done them unjust, has done them dirty and is unjust and unfair to them and how dare she not care about them. This episode is like an ode to all the nice guys that don't get a chance with Buffy because yeah, he's she's up too for good them. for them. Mm-hmm. It's awful. It's so bad. It's a projection. And I, we talked about this in our spoiler section for um, listening to Fear, but Leigh and I just did the episode. We just covered the episode, um, Happy Anniversary. And we were talking about how uh, that's the one where the guy is like doesn't want his girlfriend to break up with him. So he freezes time while they're having sex. It's just nasty. But there's this idea where the nerds, the poor, nice guys, they always end up um, getting bullied and beaten. And so therefore they deserve the girl. And if she isn't willing to give or them what like they the want. It's an 80s movie. Or it's the idea that yes. like, oh, ni- nice guys always finish last. So no, therefore, it's because the real nice guys don't feel the need to pity themselves and feel like they deserve yes. girls' love just because they have common decency. Because mm-hmm. the guys who claim themselves as being nice guys are never nice. They're never nice. They're mm-hmm. usually really manipulative and you shouldn't have you shouldn't have to say you're nice all the time after doing decent things, like Leah said, like yeah. doing the bare minimum. Yes. The actual nice guys don't feel the need to vocalize that because they have integrity. They live their life like that, and we can see that and we know the difference. 
Yep. Yep. And so this screams of Xander coming in there and being like, why? Like Riley's the one. And he talks about how like there's no one else like him in the world. And Patch the Nerd like pointed back to the initiative where all the guys were wearing the exact same uniform. He was like, there's a dime a dozen of Riley's out there. But also like, dang, you go marry him, Xander. If you're so in love with him, (laughs) if you think he's so amazing, like you go with him. Because the guy you're talking about is not the guy who's treated Buffy like that. Like that's, it's not the same. Well, there's this moment where Xander says, yeah, I think you mean convenient. I think you took it for granted that he was going to show up when you wanted him to and take off when you didn't. Projection. Passion the Nerd has that hilarious montage of all the moments where Riley was, I say in quotes, convenient for Buffy. You know, like her taking care of him when drug withdrawals, rescuing him from Adam, telling him his best friend died, hunting him down after searching for him for hours when she should have been with her mother in the hospital, only to find him punching walls. You know, all those really convenient times when it was just so great to be in a relationship with Riley. Again, Xander's speaking out of his butt. He has no clue what he's talking about. And that's why Buffy's like, <laughs> look who's talking. You've got Anya following you around like a lovesick puppy. And fair, fair for all of season four and really into this season, we were like, does Riley mm-hmm. or does Xander actually like Anya or is she just convenient? Because I think that's how it started out. And how we know that this is accurate because it strikes a chord with Xander. Oh, that's boy, why this he is not goes, about me. Oh, that's why he goes to Anya at the end of the episode. And it's hard to even enjoy that moment because I'm like, where's no, this coming from, right. Xander? You know? Well, it, yeah. it it's good because in a way, it talking with Buffy made him realize how he actually felt about Anya. But it shows that Buffy had like some truth to bite back and be like, who are you to talk to me like this when you are actually in the position you're trying to paint me in? And then he's like, you know break his heart, make it a clean break, like all this stuff. Let let him let him get to know that raw unguarded heart you tried to put away. She did. She did. Anyway, I'm tired. I'm tired of talking but about also Xander. But also it's like, oh, uh, let's talk about why her heart is guarded, Xander. You want to go back to that? Oh. You want to go back to why her heart's guarded in the first place? Maybe because she had to kill her first boyfriend. Because <laughs> of you. Because of you, Xander. It Maybe all comes talk back about that. to that canon event For in real. season two. Oh, my yeah. gosh. And and him mentioning Angel and Dracula. Oh, my Gosh. At, on the same level, I was like, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're talking about. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Makes me so mad. Mark Field has a great quote here. He says, nice speech about Xander. Were you fooled? Yep, so was I. But it always nagged at me. Why? Because when I was Buffy's age, I did the same dumb thing. I got desperate. I got scared. I decided that if I lost this guy, there would never be another one, which meant I'd have to be alone forever. Mm-hmm. And that would be bad. Buffy doesn't run after Riley because he's the long haul guy or because she loves him. Buffy runs after Riley because she's afraid of being alone. Her mother's sick. Her sister's not real. This is the only normal guy that she liked who has ever taken an interest in her. What if there's no one else? Can she really afford to be picky? She didn't hear what Xander said. And I agree. Buffy runs after because in the emotional heat of the moment, everyone's telling her she's wrong. She must be wrong. But also she's so terrified of being alone. But it's also, you know what it gives me is, not that everything's about me, but when I was dating this guy, he did some, he did, he said some crummy stuff. Like he didn't cheat on me or anything, but he just said some crummy stuff. And then 
I remember in the heat of a moment when he was apologizing and stuff, it was so fresh that I was like, yeah, of course I forgive you because, yep. you know, you just I've want them too. back. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then it's like that a week goes by or a month goes by and you're like, how could you say that? How could yeah. you do that? Mm-hmm. And then you get or you get out of the relationship. And you're like, why did I forgive that person? Dude, yeah. Why everything floods in in different yes. angles. And that's, <laughs> that's what I get of when I look at. Buffy is like she's so in the moment she's not yeah. even thinking about the hurt of it she just wants him back because that's her boyfriend. It hurts and it hurts right yeah. now yeah. too you know even if this is the right decision it still hurts you're willing to forgive sucks. so much in the moment because you just don't want to start over like yeah you know like the, um, you're willing to forgive most things also because it, it's it's comfortable like you've been with this person mm-hmm. so you know them you know yeah All right, and so how do we know that the episode is telling us that Buffy's in the wrong? There have been so many different, you know, things that we can pinpoint, but the biggest is the music playing right now. And this is the classic romantic trope of running after your lovers. Mm-hmm. They're going to take off on an airplane, bus, jet, helicopter, whatever. And Pastor Nerd talks about how the music and the trope led us to believe that what Xander said was right, and therefore so was Riley, so was Spike, all that stuff. Everybody coming to say, Buffy's realizing in this moment. So then we have the music is actually very beautiful. And it sucks that one of the most beautiful tracks that they have is saved for this moment because it does not deserve, does not deserve it. This is an atrocious scene. Ugh, we have Riley waiting for Buffy, Buffy running after him, and then Riley being like, oh, Yes, she doesn't actually love me, getting into his helicopter. Buffy like Riley and while we feel bad for Buffy and we're just heartbroken um this is the only thing that was running through my head while this was happening So let that Me. just, you know, wash Lyric over the you. Holy, of course. I was like, thank God. When he got on that airplane, I was like, bye. Bye. Seriously. See you later. Guys, now we can finally talk about other bigger, more important things because he's gone. <laughs> Riley is gone and I'm so happy. And you guys know me. At the beginning of season four, I was like, I'm ready to give him a chance. Let's try this. All this stuff. And I think there were some good moments, but oh my gosh, Never has there been a more useless character on this show. Um, Doesn't mean that there won't be more useless characters in the future, but so far he is the most useless character. Uh, His arc was practically non-existent. I just, I can't, I can't wait to not talk about him. It's going to be so good. But anyway, okay, we did it, guys. We got through that excruciating. Oh, wait, no, there's one more. There's one more scene. It's Anya and Xander. I thought we were actually done. I was zoned out. I was honestly. Good for him, I guess. But like, where is this coming from? It's more of, I just, I like seeing growth in Xander. Like, you know what? He's applying himself to her and he's actually taking a leap in. I'll just leave it at that and we'll forget the fact that he's annoying. The positive is, yes, it is nice to see growth in Xander. Nice to see that he has someone he loves that loves him back just as much. You know, all that stuff. Um, Not to be like negative because, you know, this entire episode, I feel like all we've been is negative. But, you know, it's warranted. Uh, This scene proves to me that 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 whole conversation with him and Buffy uh, is about Xander. It was 100% projecting. The fact that he goes to Anya, you're like, oh, okay. So Buffy did actually peg something in you. Um, I'm glad that there's growth. I hope to continue that. But this episode goes down as 
um, my number two worst Xander moments right behind uh, Becoming Part One. Like this just knocked Dead Man's Party out of the air for me and knocked that down to number three. This is just, this is not a good look really? for Xander. Dead oh, Man's yeah. Party is definitely above this one. I don't know, man. He did I it in don't front like of all of her friends and her mom I, and ganged up on her. Yeah, but you know what? I, I just can't stand Xander in this. I just think that he's a lot worse in this one. I, he doesn't even listen to her. I mean, he doesn't listen to her Denman's party. I don't know. Maybe they're tied. But either way, those three are just – I was trying so hard to like Xander in this season, and I really was. But this just soured him for me again. Ugh. What is Xander leaving on a helicopter? Can we hire a helicopter Honestly, for Xander? Episode. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, bye, Riley. Celebrate good times. Come on. Woo. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, that is the end of Into the Woods. That's the end of Riley's arc. Let us know your guys' thoughts. I'm so curious. Do you guys feel like there's any redeeming quality of this episode? Do you feel like that maybe Riley or Xander had a point. Were we too hard on them? I don't know. Let us know your guys' thoughts. You can find us on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and Tumblr at Becoming Buffy Podcast. And you can email us at becomingbuffypodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to support us and listen to our spoiler recap for each of these episodes, you can join our Buy Me a Coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash becomingbuffy. Speaking of which, special shout out and thank you to our producers, Christine, CJ, Kate, Omri, Paul and Cashan. Thank you so much to all of our listeners and we will talk to you all next time.